Good morning. Good morning. If we want to find our seats, glad everyone is enjoying each other's company, but we want to dial into the Word of God this morning. We celebrate Mother's Day, which is a, a beautiful day because every one of us has had a mother. Uh, not one of us have been birthed from a father, uh, and that's not going to change. Um, we will all, from here on, still be birthed from mothers, and so that's a beautiful thing. But I wonder how many of us for Mother's Day and Father's Day could count maybe spiritual children that we've helped bring into the kingdom of God, that we have witnessed to, that have been born again because of evangelism that we've done, whether that be in our homes with our own children or on the block or with coworkers. Do you have spiritual children that you have daughters and sons that you go, you know what, because I did what God commanded me to do, they are now in the kingdom of heaven. And oh, those are some of the most glorious children you could have. I don't want to discount our own children because they are beautiful and wonderful. But spiritual children also have a place, I believe, in our lives. The Bible talks about witnessing. It also talks about discipling those people teaching them to obey all that I've commanded to. It's not we get into the kingdom and we're done. It's we have a job afterwards with our children, just like we do with our own, to train them in the ways of God. So it's a beautiful thing. Well, the last few weeks we have talked about evangelism. Who remembers what the sermon title series was named? Let's go. Let's go. Pastor Mike let it off. John Glandon last week talked about and being ambassadors. And this week, we're going to have three points. And um, we're going to look at Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8. When we talk about evangelism, the first part of that word evangel means good news. Sometimes we've been referred to, and sometimes now in the day and age we live, it may be kind of more of a pejorative word, but um, we are evangelical. We believe in the gospel of Jesus. We preach the gospel. And that's what we do when we evangelize the good news of Jesus. That we all have been saved from the wrath of God. That abides on each one of us. Every one of us here has had the wrath of God abiding on us. You may say, I'm a good person though. I mean, I got saved when I was little. How much bad could I have really done? Well, trust me, in God's eyes, when he says you need to be perfect, you were bad. Because none of us, none of us have reached perfection or ever will. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all done wrong. And thankfully, there is a remedy for that. You see, this started from the first humans. Adam and Eve fell out of relationship with their God. Romans 3 talks about the righteousness of God. Listen to Romans 3, 9 through 11. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. 
Later in verse 23, it says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That is each one of us. That's why when we evangelize, we're no better than anyone else because we have all had to come to Christ the same way because we all have sinned. But God in His mercy sent Jesus to pay for the sins that we should be paying for. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. The, the payment that is due because we all have sinned is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The only way those payments could be made was because Jesus Christ made those payments on our behalf. So what does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to be born again? What does it mean, as we talked about last week, to be reconciled? We must first trust that what Jesus said He did, what He actually did, is true. we got to trust Him, that He paid for our sins. Too many of us want to work our way to heaven by good works. What Jesus did on the cross paid for our sin. Then we must love. We must love Him with a love that burns hot within us. If someone saved your life, would you not think you owed them your life? You would love them for what they did for you. So we must trust love, and then we must obey. We must obey what God says in His Word. And how do we know what to obey? We read the Scriptures. To be born again means you trust, love, and obey Jesus Christ. So, we've come to the knowledge of Christ. We understand that we are sinners. He has forgiven us because His payment on the cross. What now? We have a purpose. We are still on this earth with a purpose. You see, when you go back to Genesis 1, it says, So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him male and He created female. He created them. That's Genesis 1.27. So what is the point of creation? The point is to image. The point is to image. Images are erected to image. We are to image God. We are created in His image. Right now, there's 7 billion images running around on this earth imaging God. You cannot miss the point of creation when you look at humanity because it reflects God's glory. Now the world is broken and so many of us reflect it very poorly or not even at all hardly, but the image of God is stamped on each one of us and that gives us value. That gives us worth because we are images of God. No one could miss the point of humanity, namely God knowing Him, loving Him, and showing Him. I go down to downtown once in a while, and there's a big fist downtown. How many of you have seen that big arm and fist? What is that image? Joe Lewis. That was the most prominent part. You did not want to be hit with that fist from Joe Lewis. Every time you see that fist, who do you think about? Joe Lewis. That's... What we need to do as we see each other, it should point us to God, going, God, God, 
Not that we're God, but points to God. We are to be a reflection of the glory of God. So what is our purpose? To bring God glory. To reflect His glory. We want to look at the book of Acts this morning as as Pastor Nick read. And it's going to be the first chapter of Acts. Luke actually wrote Acts. Can anybody tell me what other book Luke wrote? Hey, good, good. Yes, yes. Arpeth, you got it. John did too, good. Yes, Luke wrote two books. Luke and Acts. And so we're going to be looking at the book of Acts today, which is really a continuation of the book of Luke. Because Luke is is talking about Jesus all through that book. And he goes and starts the book of Acts, the the new book, with Jesus going up to heaven, ascending from this earth to rule and reign in heaven. I want to key in on verse 8 today. And these are the last words of Jesus, not before he died, but before he went to heaven. Verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is saying to his apostles of that day and to us today that we have purpose. He has given us a job, and that's to testify of Him, to give Him glory, not just by our works, but a witness actually verbally proclaims something. How many of you have had to give witness in a court of law? I have, and looks like several of you have. What do you do in front of the judge and the jury? You proclaim what you saw what happened to you or to somebody else around you. Now, it's not hearsay. You don't go, well, I was in uh, somewhere and Matthews said this. No, I say, this is what happened with me. I don't say what something happened with somebody else. It's called hearsay. And so we, in that same way, are to give God glory by what has happened in our lives. I can talk all day long about what happened in Clay's life, but what has happened in my life is what you're going to believe. So we have a purpose, and that is to testify about Jesus Christ and what He has done in our lives. We are to be, as we heard last week, Jesus' ambassador. And one thing I took away from John's sermon, this wasn't the only thing, but Jesus has no traitors as ambassadors, or a country would have not put a traitor as an ambassador. And that is so true. There's so many of us that, that feel a certain way, and so we represent a certain way that's not even about the kingdom of God. And we get off track, and we become traitors to that kingdom. Christians should not be about self-exaltation, but about Jesus' exaltation. We should not be about money and amassing wealth, a bigger house, another wealth bracket, how much power we can wield on this earth. No, the point of our lives should be about Jesus. Now, if Jesus drops a, a governorship in your lap, good for you. 
But that is not our main goal in this earth, amassing goods, amassing a 401k. It is about working for Jesus tirelessly. If something good is in our lives, it is a, a blessing from God. If something bad happens in our lives, we, we realize we live in a broken world, but we still have Jesus. And so I believe we become anxious. We become depressed because our focus is on ourselves and not on Jesus. Do you realize Jesus went to the cross and counted it joy? He went to the cross. Listen to Hebrews 12 too. Jesus says, not my, not my will, but your. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross. The joy that was set before Jesus was to endure the cross. I didn't think he wanted to do that. He says in the Garden of Gethsemane, if this can be taken from me, I want it taken from me, but not my will, your will. Yet for the joy set before him, he went to the cross. I think if we understood that whatever we go through in life, we are to be joyful because we have a Savior. We have been born again. What else can happen to us? A lot of things can happen physically or emotionally and all these things. But if we put them in its proper place, we go through those things for the joy that was set before us. Imaging Christ on this earth should be the joy that is set before us. I believe it would take care of some of our anxieties, some of our depression. We would have a proper view of God and of ourselves. We would have actual purpose. This is not just about how we take our circumstances in stride, though. How we live our life in this, this uh, peri, uh, Pollyannish way. But it's what we do with our mouth, too. You see, we're going to have real struggles. We're going to have real things hit the fan. How do we deal with those things? Some people act like they're on, on speed their whole lives in Jesus' name. That's not really what happens. The Bible talks about weeping with those who weep. So how do we live our lives? We proclaim Jesus Christ even in the midst of trials, even in the midst of those things that are going wrong in life. I have three points today. The first one I already hit was purpose in the introduction. The why. Spreading God's glory on this earth. The next points are going to be about power. How? How do we do this? The power. And then proclamation. What do we proclaim? So power, let's start with that one, the second point. We have the power of the Holy Spirit residing in us. This is not about being a slick car salesman, trying to win him to Jesus with your fancy speech. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. When I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling, his life wasn't doing too well. 
My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest in human wisdom, but in God's power. You see, in 1 Corinthians, it says, it was not the eloquence of speech or human wisdom that he proclaimed, but simple gospel proclamation of Jesus crucified. And he was empowered by the Spirit to proclaim that message. Only the Spirit could make that message come alive. Look back at Acts 1.8 where we just were. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Luke and Paul are both saying that the power of our witness will come because the Holy Spirit is empowering you to be a witness. When you see the Holy Spirit come upon people in the New Testament, we see proclamation come right after that. They can't keep their mouths shut because the Holy Spirit is in them. Luke has this in Luke and Acts. Eight times he talks about they were filled with the Spirit and they proclaimed. Luke 1, 13 through 15, John the baptizer was filled with the Spirit and proclaimed. Luke 1, 39 through 47, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and proclaimed. Luke 1, 67 through 69, same thing happened to Zechariah. Acts 2, 2 through 4, the Holy Spirit drops at Pentecost. What do they do? They speak in tongues. They proclaim. Acts 4, 8, Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. And what does he do? He proclaims. Acts 4, 31, the whole house Holy Spirit drops, they start speaking in tongues, and they proclaim. Acts 9, 17 through 20, Paul proclaims after he is filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 13, 8 through 11, again, Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, proclaims. This is not done in isolation, but it is a filling of the Spirit that helps you proclaim. You wonder why you're not proclaiming the gospel, why you're not witnessing? Check. You may not be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking you don't have the Holy Spirit. I'm saying you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Our job is to remain faithful in witnessing Jesus Christ. And it is done because the power of the Spirit brings life out of dead. We can quench the Holy Spirit, the Bible talks about. Uh, Another word would be grieving the Holy Spirit of how we live our life. Too many of us have sin residing in our lives that grieves the Holy Spirit so that we have no power because the Holy Spirit is grieved by how we are living. We are living in unholy ways. Take inventory of your life. Be discerning of your own life quicker than you're discerning of someone else's life. A lot of us have the gift of discernment in other people's lives, don't we? I can see everyone else's sin around me pretty good. But when it comes to our own life, we have no discernment. And so we need to take inventory of each one of our own lives. Listen to what being the the fruit of the Spirit is love. Do you have love? Joy. Do you have joy? Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
Galatians 5, 22 through 23. Those are the fruit of the Spirit. Those will be in your life if you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now at times those things wane because other things creep in our lives that are not a priority. But we have got to have priority looking at our life. We were on our way to Chicago this past uh, Monday. Uh, John was with me and Cleek uh, III was with me. And I got a call from someone in my house saying they wanted to turn the fireplace on. We have a gas fireplace. And we leave the pilot light on uh, if we turn it off because that's kind of how we heat the house. And it got down in the 50s inside the house. You want to take the chill off. But they turned it the wrong way and actually turned the pilot light off. I was like, uh-oh. So had to get something, restart the pilot light, and then turn the flame to medium or high. And it got me thinking as I was preparing this message, you know, that pilot light, had a, we had a fire in our house already. Why, why did they want to turn the fire on? Because that little pilot light's about that big. And you could stand there all day and you are not feeling a thing. Matter of fact, we could have 20 fireplaces in that house with that little pilot light on and you still are not warm in that house. But that one flame, when it is turned up, that pilot light is turned up, what happens? I can stand right there and that thing erupts and I feel good. That heat comes. I don't care if it's on low, medium, or high. That heat comes in a force. And it got me thinking, where is our church? Where am I? Am I just a little pilot light? Can you imagine... All of us are just pilot lights. What kind of difference are we going to make in this community? But what if we were turned up? We were filled with the Holy Spirit. Every one of us blazing. Can you imagine if I had 20 fireplaces in my house? You couldn't stand to be in there. It would be too hot. Where are you at? Where am I at? Am I just a fire pilot light? That I have the Holy Spirit. Really, nothing's happening? Take inventory. Where are you? You see, there's a big significant difference between a pilot light and an actual flame. We need the Spirit's power. It's got to be priority in our lives. The other thing that we cannot do without is prayer. We must be people of prayer. And the Holy Spirit actually empowers our prayers. I, I don't have time because let me see how far I am. Oops. I hope, oh, I forgot to start the timer. Yeah, I keep going. Whatever. I don't have time to go into every reference in the Bible where it says pray. But we are to be people of prayer. God's kingdom coming down to this earth. Cite the Lord's Prayer yesterday at our, our training. Are you praying for specific people in your life? Are you praying for, for people in your life that they would see Christ? That they would be born again? Or do you just pray for safety for them? Or a job? Or illness that they might have? 
That's not bad. But are you praying for salvation of people in your life that matter to you and don't matter to you maybe? That should. As we pray for salvation, as we ask for opportunities to bring the gospel, we will find them. They will be there. The Holy Spirit will nudge us to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to those around us. Purpose to glorify God. Priority. We've got to do this. The power is through the Holy Spirit in prayer. The last point I have, and we're going to be done, is proclamation. A witness needs to have a testimony. If you don't have a testimony, probably nothing's happened in your life. We are proclaiming about the life that God has given us and what Jesus has done for us. You see, when we're witnessing, we're not the hero. He is. He is the hero. Too many times our testimony gets in the way because we're the hero of the testimony somehow. We were just some bad guy that needed some help. No, he is the hero of the testimony. He is the hero that we are proclaiming. He is everything. We owe our very breath, our life to him because he created us. The kingdom of God is at hand. And too many times we get off track proclaiming some other kingdom. Now is the day of salvation. It's a call of urgency, not a wait till you're ready. Christ never called anybody that was actually ready. Put down your nets, follow me. Some people were in the field. I don't care. Stop plowing, follow me. You're never going to be ready. If you're waiting to be ready, you will never be ready. And so we must proclaim that to people. We preach the gospel that takes away the sin in our lives. There's some things that are not evangelism. Just saying Jesus loves you is not evangelism. It's true, but it's not evangelism. Evangelism is a call to repentance. Inviting someone to church is not evangelism. It's good. We should do it. But it's not evangelism. Evangelism is a call to repentance. A believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. That's what evangelism is. So don't get it twisted of what evangelism is or is not. Evangelism is the proclamation of the gospel. It's the bad news that we are all sinners, including me. But Jesus made a way of escape the good news. You see, we get it twisted a lot in our society today. We, we talk about oppression. We talk about things that, uh, that hurt people that are real. And we should to a degree. But the greatest oppressor was not Stalin, wasn't Hitler, wasn't Pol Pot, wasn't Saddam Hussein. It wasn't some African chief that, that uh, sold people into slavery. It's not the white man. It's sin. That is the greatest oppressor. It's sin. 
in people's lives. And if we get it twisted and we have messages going all over the place about what is oppressing people, and yes, people can oppress people. I get it. Hang with me. The greatest oppression, though, is your slavery to sin. That is what separates you from God. The slavery of sin. And Jesus broke those bonds of sin so that we can live in light of what He did by not being a slave to sin. We can go, no, I am not sinning today. We have the power of the Holy Spirit not to sin today. Yet we're not tapped into it. And it still wants to oppress us. Even if we're a child of God, it's hanging there wanting to oppress us. But Jesus has broke those bonds. There is no other message that can take priority over the message of reconciliation to God who we are to image. Not the message of build back better. Not the message of make America great again. Not the message of black lives matter. Not the message of your best life now. Not the message of financial freedom. Not the message of community development. Not the message of you got to save for retirement and have a 401k. Not the message of the American dream. Not the message of the great reset. None of those things are priority. Our priority is proclaiming Christ and Him crucified. Nothing can save except that. Are there messages that are good? Yes. Are there messages that we can fight for? Sure. But the priority must be the gospel because that's what changes people. We can fight for other causes, sure, but not in our priority of what our proclamation is. If we are giving out food but not proclaiming the gospel, the real food, we are doing our community a disservice. We are failing our community. We are failing to love them. We can talk about racial injustice. If we fail to bring the gospel to bear, if we fail to talk about partiality and how we are all made in the image of God and how Jesus broke down those bonds, we have failed in our racial reconciliation talks. Everything we do flows out of the gospel and why we do it. James talks about doing good works. He said, if you have faith, you will do those things. If you have faith, you will do those things, yes. But you must first have faith for them to actually matter. Our good works are filthy rags if we are looking for them to be our righteousness. Listen to Romans 10, 14 through 17. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? You are sent today. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Being a witness here in Detroit is not an option if you are a follower of Jesus. 
Jesus said in his last words before he ascends to heaven, you will be my witnesses. That's not just about right living, it's about right speaking. Proclamation of the gospel in our community. Making Christ famous. Making him known. Sadly, many of us though, have a pilot light. And that's it. The dial has been turned down. We have the Holy Spirit. But today is the day of change. There's competing agendas within churches, within denominations. Everything we do must flow from the gospel of Jesus. Whether you give a piece of bread or a cup of cold water, cut an alley or put children to bed, it must come under God's agenda of spreading the gospel. Mothers, that is a beautiful thing you get to do with your children. As you tuck them into bed, is gospel them. Proclaim the good news of Jesus every morning, every night to them. Some of us, unfortunately, have acted like we're in the witness protection program. Undercover agents for Jesus in the community. That is not right. We need to be found. And the gospel, I know, will offend. And so we need to be winsome. But don't be afraid of offense. So we don't have an option when it comes to, you will be my witnesses. The God of the universe is do this because of His glory and His name. Made famous among the nations. It first starts in your house. Spreads to your block, your workplace. To the ends of the earth. Are you proclaiming the gospel in your own house? Because that's where it starts. We had evangelism training yesterday, and I quickly want to go over these six points that John taught us and Mike taught us as we went through this training. And worship team, if you want to come. But number one, God created us in His image. Proclaim that. Number two, He became one of us. Jesus became one of us. Number three, He lived a life we couldn't live. Number four, He died the death that we should have died. Number five, He rose from the dead. And number six, He is coming back. Do you believe that? He is coming back. This sin-sick world will be gone. The kingdom of God is at hand. Are you about that kingdom? The kingdom of God? Are you about the American kingdom? Are you about some other kingdom? I proclaim to you the gospel of Jesus Christ. He died on a cross so that you could live. He rose again to put that punctuation statement where it belonged. He is God of very gods. That is the word of the Lord for us today.